Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. I'm Nick Watson, underscore NJ Watson. And today, since it is the New Year, Happy New Year, Nick. Woo, happy Woo. New Year. It's been a while. <laughs> We're going to be talking about goal setting, resolutions, and planning your year ahead as a TV writer. First, let's talk about goal setting. Goal setting, I feel, is key to succeeding in this industry. When you know and track exactly what you need to do, whether it's every day or every month, then you can achieve those very specific things. And since we are in the new year, something a lot of people do is make New Year's resolutions. So Nick, is that something you practice? Only in kind of like a very notional way. Instead, I try to set goals year round rather than just once a year. As we discussed in one of our earlier episodes, in order to get things done, you need to actively be taking steps towards them every day, not just hoping, oh, this year I'll do it in a vague theoretical sense while implementing no practical plans to get it done. Kelly and I this year have resolved to have a new original pilot done by probably the end of this month at the latest because we've been working on it last year and we got waylaid with paid work, personal things, travel. Waylaid? This is a word I just learned, waylaid. Yeah, there you go, expanding your vocabulary. Amazing. In general, I think we aim to turn out a new sample every three or four months. I also have this feature that I want to finish. I've been working on with a friend for almost a year now. We actually met at the 2015 Austin Film Festival, and I've kind of been hacking away at it Mm. since a little bit after that. So it's almost there, and I'm very excited about it. It will actually be the first full feature that I've finished. I've mostly just written TV pilots and shorts, and I've done the outlines and treatments for features, but such a big undertaking that it's hard to just crank out features if you're not used to it. How long do you think that feature is going to be? Is it going to be like 90 pages? Yeah, we're definitely aiming to keep it on the shorter side. It's a comedy feature. So I would say 90. Wow. It's almost two TV drama pilots, or like one and a half technically. Yeah, or like four comedy pilots, right? Wow. You're so lazy, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I also don't really practice those New Year's resolutions. Like Nick said, I think it's almost impossible to really hold yourself accountable throughout the year for something that you kind of wish at the beginning of the year. It's like, oh, this year I'm going to lose weight. I go about a few different ways. One way is, again, keep those goals as pragmatic and honest as possible so that you can actually track them in a tangible way. And that means actually breaking down those larger goals into smaller incremental steps. It's like when you have a script to write, then it's the same thing. You're not going to be writing 60 pages of a script on one sitting. You're going to be breaking them down and outline it and so on. Your Um, goal this year should not be, I'm going to become a successful TV writer this year. That's not a very ambiguous thing. It should be, my goal is to get staffed on a TV show or find an agent. Exactly. I think the key is really understanding how and when you will accomplish those very specific goals. And again, when we say goal, in this case, again, it's not about becoming a writer or becoming smarter or whatever it is. It's really about, I'm going to write 10 pages a day or something like that. In my mind, there's always this litmus test I give to really understand if something is actually pragmatic and tangible and a goal that I can actually do. And there's an acronym for that that some people use, and that is SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T. Now, the letters have slightly different variations for some people, but broadly speaking, for me, they stand for specific, meaningful, attainable, rewarding, and trackable. So just going through those, we 
real quick, specific, that means that the goal needs to be something that is understandable and has a clear purpose and meaning to you. So not just, again, be smarter or I want to become a TV artist that's not really specific. It's really broad and may take you years potentially. Meaningful, that is a goal that is significant to you, either personally or professionally. It's not something that you're just going to like forget about in a month. Attainable, that is a goal that is actually doable within the upcoming future and not some imaginary idea like I'm going to become president one day or when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. Hey, that goal is proven to be very attainable by anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Very attainable. You know, that is actually my goal, Nick. Let's change this podcast from paper team to just White House. President team. President team. (laughs) Uh, We can both, let's be co-president. I think it's very doable. Then we have rewarding for the R. That's a goal that will make you feel empowered and not kill you by a thousand cuts. Again, this is something that you're going to be working on for arguably a certain amount of time. It's going to be potentially repetitive. Then that still needs to be something that benefits you. And then finally, trackable. This is a goal that is manageable and that you can follow its progress in a pragmatic, tangible way, be it every day, every week, every month, whatever it is. It is trackable. That aspect of breaking your goals down to manageable and measurable pieces, in my mind, is key to achieving things instead of those esoteric goal ideas of what you want to accomplish. It's not about building a wall before a specific deadline. It's really about laying those bricks throughout that year. For example, if you want to lose 15, 20 pounds by the end of the year, that may seem like a big number, but that just means you'll be losing one pound every three weeks. So that's much more manageable. And the same for writing a script, writing 60 pages within three months may seem like a lot, but then if you break it down by a day or a week basis, then it's it's much more manageable. Think about when your room is a complete mess or your house is a mess and there's stuff everywhere and it seems like you're never going to get it clean again. But you just need to pick up one piece of paper, one box at a time, move it to where it's meant to be. And eventually, if you do that enough times over a long enough period of time, it will be clean. You'll uncover that pile of crap that's under your bed. <laughs> Is that what they do in France? Yeah. We have a thing called a toilet here in the US. Right. I feel I should take a shot every time you mention the word France and make a joke (laughs) about my French. That was the gift that I still haven't received after all these weeks. (laughs) T-shirt. You don't know that. Did we we receive it? I don't don't remember. We'll find Uh, out in some sort of time paradigm. What do you think about the idea of looking back to your past year and the things you did before now? It touches on this thing that is important, and that's looking to the mistakes and the pitfalls that you might have made last year. What should you actually be avoiding this time around? Did you spend too much time working on a spec episode for your fellowships, and then you didn't actually have an original sample ready when a manager asked to read you? because they usually won't read specs. Or did you maybe not get out and network as much? You could have been creating these opportunities for yourself. Again, it doesn't have to be a mixer. You can catch up with more people one-on-one. You can go play on an assistant dodgeball team or something. You can find a community online. You can join a book club, go to movie screenings. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. Whatever suits you best. You can meet people anywhere. Look at the things that you didn't do last year that you should be doing this year. Become Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Every loop, he does something different to get to his goal. That's basically what life is, right? There's a series of groundhog days. 100%. Looking ahead, there's such a thing as mapping out the calendar. There's going to be 12 months ahead, usually, if it's a normal year. (laughs) Especially on the professional level, you will need probably to map the things that you want to do. And again, it goes back to outlining your year. And when I outline a script... I'm going to fill in those corner pieces and then fill in the blanks in between to know Christmas is on the 25th of December and so on. 
And obviously those are the temple holidays, but there's also more professional industry related seasons and months to keep in mind when you plan out your kind of TV writing calendar. So Nick, do you want to walk us through that? Yeah, definitely. So here are some of the important dates, things that are happening around these times of year that you should be aware of, even if they're not going to be immediately relevant to you at this stage of your career. It's just good to know what's happening in the town at the time. So January, February, March, this is kind of a lull before the storm period. And that is when you can be taking that opportunity to go and find yourself a manager or an agent or someone and be taking general meetings around the place with production companies, with networks, with studios and all that kind of thing. It's a good time when everyone's just kind of getting their bearings at the start of the year before things start to really descend into crunch time. Yeah, to chaos. And the chaos of which we speak is, of course, staffing season, which occurs around April, May in terms of the actual meetings that writers are taking with showrunners, with network execs and that kind of thing to ideally get themselves in a writer's room for that year. The idea is that you're kind of making those general meetings towards the start of the year, getting your face known around the place, getting your stuff read for those shows that are coming up, ready to put people in the room. And then April, May, you're actually taking those basically job interviews to be a writer. You want to stay fresh in their mind, especially Mm -hmm. that's why it's like back to back. Exactly. And then as we move into May, we have what they call the network upfronts. If you've never heard of this, it's basically a big convention festival type thing where the networks present their schedule for the year. And this is their programming schedule that all the shows they're going to have, what time slots they're in on each time of the night. And so all the advertisers come there and they check out these network schedules. They see which shows are interesting, are going to be good to promote their products. And that's when they decide to make investments in buying advertising space for them. On the spec side of it, that's all also around the time when you have the fellowship deadlines as well as many pilot contest deadlines like EFF, for example. Totally. And an important thing to note there around the network upfront time is often when networks make pickup and cancellation decisions on existing shows, whether they're going to get a second season or not. Yeah, I feel like if you did not know what upfronts were before right now, you should definitely pause this podcast and look up what an upfront is in a greater detail because it's kind of a key, almost like linchpin in the whole season, especially for networks. Totally. So then as we move into later May and June, we have pilot season. And that is essentially when all of the pilots that have been developed in the last year, even before that, that have been greenlit to go and shoot that pilot script, they're getting made. They're putting together crews. They're actually shooting these pilots and they're sending them back to the network to eventually make a decision as to whether they want to order that whole series. I guess we flipped it where the upfront occur after the pilot season, technically, because it's the pilot are happening in a matter of weeks before that big show in New York, usually in front of the advertisers. So they're going to be shooting in May and leading up to that network. The advertisers are looking at what are the exciting new shows that are coming and what are the the proven existing shows that are still going to be carrying those weeknights and those advertising schedules. And pilot season is a great chance to get yourself in on a crew. If you are new to the entertainment industry or even if you've been around for a while, there's so many pilots shooting all the time that they often need extra PAs. They need people to come and do errands for them. Maybe you can even get yourself a chance to work with some writers who are on a pilot for a month or something like that in a shorter term capacity with the hopes to getting brought onto that show if it gets picked up. So definitely keep an eye out for opportunities around that as well. Think of the upfront as kind of like the end of the season, technically. It's almost kind of like a school year. It kind of resets 
in July and September, where networks are going to be hearing new pitches for the next development season. They know what's on their schedules and they know what they maybe need to fill some gaps for next year or have in the backup of Arsenal kind of thing. So if you are an established writer, I guess at this point, or even maybe a new writer who has written something really great and has found some interest from existing producers or showrunners or production companies, etc., that's when you're actually going to be going into the network buildings, pitching to their development execs and seeing whether they want to take this project on. Even if a miracle happens and they buy your script, that doesn't mean that you're going to have a show next year necessarily. It means that (laughs) it's going to go into development at the studio. You're probably going to spend minimum a year or two, probably much longer, going back and forth, incorporating notes, rewrites, etc. on this thing. And then they have to pick basically, they might buy 100, 200 scripts. They're going to pick maybe 10, 20. I think I gave the numbers in some previous episode, but every step is a tenth of the prior step. So if they pick like 100 pitches, then probably only like maybe a dozen or so are going to move to pilot. And then only one or two are going to be picked to series. And that's the whole process. It's the gamble. So after that, around September, October, they transition from the networks into more cable network buying season. But that also just happens year round now. Same with streaming services. So it's not as much of a traditional season anymore because they don't rely on that same upfront schedule as the broadcast networks do. This is also around when the summer shows are wrapping and the fall shows are premiering to fill that gap at the end of the year. Then lastly, in November and December, right at the end of the year, this is when shows that have been given that initial first season order, that 13 episodes, networks are making decisions about whether they want to give them what they call a back nine or a full series order to take it up to 22 episodes. Also, what's happening is the pilots that were shot way back in April or May are being given pickups to series. If they're like, yeah, we love this pilot, it's going to go ahead, or they're maybe being pronounced dead, and that's the end of that pilot. RIP pilots. The reason we're spending so much time breaking down every month and the whole process is because it is vital to understanding what people are doing in this industry while you're working on either networking or your spec or your pilot. Knowing when an agent or a development executive is going to be extra busy or out of town is crucial to those components. When you meet someone during pilot season, it's going to be really, really hard to keep that traction going because they're going to be extra busy. You know, they'll have how many pilots on their plate just dealing with that. And that's going to be in April and in May. Same thing for the end of the year around Christmas season. Maybe someone's going to be out of town. It's going to be even harder to get a meeting around that period of time. Exactly. And I think in terms of if you're unrepresented, finding and meeting reps, you kind of want to aim for, like we said, that start of the year, January, February, right before staffing season starts, because certain agents and managers might be trying to fill gaps in their roster or find new people when things are a little quieter or towards that end of the year before we really get into the holidays the writers they already have are staffed on shows and are working or they've finished pitching to networks and now they actually have time to be reading new people around you know maybe september november the thing is nothing really happens in hollywood after thanksgiving in a business sense so keep that in mind but as alex said especially if you're trying to get read through these people's assistance do not go anywhere near pilot and staffing season at that point it's really too late for you to be brought on They're already focused on their existing clients and their life is a living hell reading every single pilot script that's out there for every show, which is more and more every year and all of their clients' samples and trying to get them onto shows. Too many cooks. The key here is understanding what will both benefit you and that other person at every step of that process. If you're going to be working on a spec before end of April, as you should because of the fellowships, then you already know that the CBS mentorship program, for example, has an earlier deadline than the other fellowships that occurs at the end of April. So you will want to plan ahead and understand that you probably want to be done before then. And the same around staffing season. If you're going to be working on a pilot, which is probably going to be more evergreen than a spec, 
then that means you should be working on it earlier than your spec because it won't be outdated by then, unlike a spec. So really pull that pilot forward in the year versus a spec that can just be done at the end of spring, arguably. And it's the same thing with meeting people and following up. You know your email is going to be probably lost in the shuffle around April or May because, as Nick mentioned, the assistants are already busy dealing with their own clients or their own boss's clients, uh, I should say. So They're trying to live their own lives yeah, around all of that. Yeah. Also, exactly. So the world doesn't rotate around you. It rotates around the season of TV that we just explained. Do you have any tools that we could provide our listeners to track and manage these goals? I mentioned in the previous episode uh, this thing called Your Compass, yourcompass.com. And it, it's one of the most useful tools out there in terms of goal management. And it's basically this free resource that's a booklet. I think it's about 20 pages. You answer those questions to kind of close out the past year and begin the new one. It's been translated, I think, in a dozen languages, available in a bunch of formats. It kind of allows you to go over all those important aspects of the upcoming year broken down by specific categories to you, like personal life, work, hobbies, friends, emotionally, intellectual categories, finances, etc. And I use it almost every year because it gives me a great reminder throughout the year, be it every month or so, of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because when you're breaking down a spec or a script or pilot or you're having those meetings and you have so many emails that you want to answer or whatever, you get kind of lost in the thick of it and you lose track of the bigger picture. What this allows you to do is really refocus your mind and understand why you're doing that 20th pilot or those like 50 people you need to follow up. Mm, that sounds great. I'm going to have to do this definitely. How about you, Nick? What do you use to uh, keep track of your many goals and uh, larger goals? I don't really have any fancy apps or gadgets or questionnaires or anything like that. I literally just keep a notepad file on my phone with upcoming things that I have to do. I often put it as an event in my calendar whenever I need to work on something. So I actually take that time out of my day. I often like to just tell other people about my intentions to do this thing, particularly my writing partner, so they can hold me accountable. So when I think of it, I will just immediately text her, I need to do this or we need to do this and then try to plan how we'll go about accomplishing it rather than filing it away in the back of my mind and going, oh yeah, I'll get around to that later. <laughs> Are you telling me you don't shock Callie by saying, oh, by the way, I need uh, this draft done by tomorrow? <laughs> no. No, except that one time, right? <laughs> no, no time. <laughs> I'm kind of the same way. I'm not a fan of high tech, especially for those goal tracking softwares. I'm not a big fan of them because for me, at least, it's easier to have just this one thing to look at via the Euro Compass or even my calendar to know where I am and follow that progress and instead of just a bunch of apps to track. Nick, you brought up mentioning things to Kelly. I'm not really a fan of explicitly stating those kinds of macro goals to other people because I feel like I'm less likely to do them. I think I mentioned in a previous episode this idea that this psychological effect of if you mention to someone, I'm going to be working out twice a week and lose a bunch of weight, then the feeling of you actually telling that person already makes you internally accomplished. And so you're actually less likely to do it psychologically. Oh, interesting. You're getting um, the gratification without actually doing the work. Exactly. So I tend to hold back and not really reveal, oh, I'm going to be working on this pilot right now. It's either I'm doing it and I'll only be talking about it once I'm maybe past the outline and I really know what the thing I'm working on is instead of just this ethereal idea of a pilot I want to work on. And I actually have, you know, my own writing group and deadlines to hold me accountable on those projects on the side. So I think 
If I were to pin down my biggest issue, it's more about tracking the progress. Again, I use more calendar-based things, but I always feel like setting up a schedule for my week is very useful in that way. If I go on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, before I go to bed, I'll look at my week ahead and figure out, oh, these are the empty spots that I'm able to write in or those meetings that I can reschedule or whatnot. For me, I'm a very anxious person. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about the things that I need to do. There's less chance of me forgetting about something than there is it just constantly being a crushing weight on me. But I do enjoy the gratification of being able to cross something off a list. So when something's actually sitting there undone, it gives me this bad, anxious feeling. And if I could be doing something to alleviate that, taking steps towards it, I will. In fact, I think this is probably the evolutionary purpose of anxiety. Um, <laughs> the flip side of that, like I said, sometimes it piles up so much I get overwhelmed and I really know what to do first. I find it hard to split my time and work on multiple things at once. In college, if I had two assignments due one the day after the other, I would spend all my time on the first one until I finished it and then start the next one. And coupled with procrastination, that often meant I would uh, have a month to do one and 24 hours to do the next one, <laughs> which I do not recommend at all. I'm just pointing out this is a flaw of mine. Other people might be the same way. And it's just something I need to find a way to fix or manage. But I guess it does encourage you to get things done earlier so that you have time to do do the other things. Otherwise, only that one thing or maybe neither of them will get done. So again, it's about managing that procrastination as well so that you can actually plan for those two things. Those goals, I feel like the reason why you're going to be breaking them down into smaller increments over days is because you want to create a habit. I think when you do something over and over and over again, that 10th time, whatever, it's going to be easier than that first time. That is why you don't want to go full force in that first time. You're not going to be writing 100 pages a day on that first day, but it's easier to break it down to maybe one page or even a few paragraphs if this is your first time writing on a regular basis. And the number of goals, I think, is also important don't do 40 half-assed things, you know, the full-ass <laughs> three or five things a day. I think that's the healthy way of going about it. So in terms of paper team and us looking ahead, what are we going to be working on for 2017? What are we doing, Nick? I feel I should ask you this. You're more the panicky kind of guy. So yeah, definitely. Right I'm already stressing about it. No. <laughs> well, I think for me, I kind of want to get back to basics a little with this podcast. Like we definitely started with the need to knows of getting established in LA. And then along the way, we did get a little esoteric. Not that that's a bad thing. But I think I really want to get back into the nitty gritty of preparing all of you guys, our listeners, preparing your original pilots, your specs, giving you some practical tools you need to maybe get stuffed or get wrapped, improving your craft and your understanding of the business. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Also, maybe bring in more interesting guests. I love my guests. I want more, more guests. Interesting guests. Even if we had boring oh, guests. Oh, sorry. sorry. Even more <laughs> Additional interesting, interesting guests. Additionally more interesting guests. Yeah, and in different topics, I think television is such a broad topic. Obviously, I would love if our listenership expanded. And maybe we can transition to a more live setting. Maybe we can do like a live paper team at a, either a convention or maybe the Writers Guild or somewhere that is willing to host us for a live episode. Yeah, I believe we were floating some ideas about maybe a paper team panel at WonderCon. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Ooh. TBD, TBD. But yeah, in terms of that expanding our listener base, if each of you tell one friend about paper team, then our listener base would double. Think of it as a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> like a scheme for a pyramid, you know. So on that note, we are always open to suggestions for episodes and things that you want to hear. We did this with the paying for TV 
writing education episode. And we'd be very happy to do it again if there's something that enough of you or maybe even one of you want to hear about. Again, send us, if you don't remember, you can always send us comments, thoughts, or feedback, things you want us to talk about, questions at ask at paperteam.co. We would love to know, do you guys like the interview episodes? Or do you like the more conversational ones where Alex and I just kind of rant about our feelings on TV? Do you like the ones that are more based in theory and practice for screenwriting? Or do you like the ones that are really providing insight to the behind the scenes business of Hollywood? We are wide open to your thoughts. Yeah, our calendar is wide open. Please send us your ideas so we <laughs> can plan ahead. N- n- yeah, not true. But I- <laughs> <laughs> I think this is just going to be a short little episode to get everyone ready for the start of the year and uh, making those plans. Uh, I'm sure you're very busy with your, your New Year's parties and, and all that. What are the resources that we can take away from this? Obviously, I mentioned Euro Compass. That's a great booklet. There's also a subreddit called r slash get discipline. I think it's one of the most useful subreddits out there to really help you focus on your goals. Much and more useful than R the Donald. Please no one go to that. Why do you it's even mention it? I think we're going to censor yeah, what you just said. That Let's bleed that out. How about you, Nick? Any uh, cool uh, resource? I think I mentioned this one before, but I think this is just a very simple, very cool way to do things. It's that Jerry Seinfeld technique, don't break the chain. Get a little calendar. Every day that you do something towards achieving your goal, put an X on that day. The next day when you do something towards achieving that goal, put an X again, whether it's writing, whether it's networking, anything else. And then all you have to do from there on out is just not break that chain. Just do something every day. And eventually you're going to feel the pressure to not break it. And it's going to be easier and easier to keep doing that one thing every day and build that habit. Don't break the chain. This brings us to the end of the episode already. So thank you for listening. You can get all of the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 26. Episode 26. Yay. As always, you can leave us an awesome review or even an average one, but we won't read it. Uh, <laughs> I will. At paperteam.co slash iTunes. As always, more iTunes reviews means potentially more listeners, which will build this awesome community and allow us to bring more content to you. Totally. And I am on the Twitterverse at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, opinions, ideas for future episodes, please send them to ask at paperteam.co. And next week, we have a very exciting interview with Alex's friend, Sam Miller. Yay. Sam worked on Mom and is staffed, or was staffed, I guess, and the YouTube Red series, Single by 30, available on YouTube Red. And that is the CBS show, Mom, Not a Yo Mama Joke. What? <laughs> <laughs> We owe Sandal's mom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. We'll see you then.